Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey everyone, my name is Justin and you're on Inverse here in the Hope Channel studio. We have Jonathan and Siku and Israel. Hey. And all of you guys, and we want to say thank you, whether you're watching on video on all of our formats, on social media, or online, or in streaming, or through satellite, or through TV, or through whatnot, or if you're listening through podcasts, we want to say thank you, and God bless you, and I want to encourage you to go to um, oh, to one of two websites, either to Hope tv.org slash inverse and look at the previous episodes and catch up to where we are where we're at now or you can go to inversebible.org and look at our bible study guides we're using those bible study um, topics and uh, study guides to for the content of our our discussion and in this arc that we're in right now we are in jesus and liberty jesus and liberty and in a certain way i gotta admit to you guys like it sounds kind of like what liberty this is kind of whatever but so far we're in we're currently in episode nine and just really, really good stuff, mm. right? We're talking about Jesus, fundamental teachings, and it's not a particular parable or a particular doctrine per se, what are these, you know, doctrines, uh, but really kind of the the attitude, the heart of Jesus, kind of the, yeah. the milieu of what, what the kingdom of God is about. And on this episode, we're talking about the persecuted church. So you're, maybe you're having a happy day. We're going to be talking <laughs> about persecution. Uh, but the reality is there are, uh, it, maybe, in the developed world, persecution does not exist because of current political um, institutions that, that, that protect religious liberty. But there are many countries in the world that do not have this. And the Christian church currently today in the 21st century is being persecuted. And let's, uh, we're going to be studying the Bible on, on some, of these, um, these, some of these aspects. So Jonathan, uh, if you don't mind praying for us, and as the Lord always blesses us, uh, we always pray before we read scripture. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for a new day. Thank you for another opportunity to serve you, to live for you, and to grow with you. Lord, we ask that you will please teach us through your word. Give mm -hmm. us insights that only you can give. And I pray that you will bless our discussion and everyone watching and listening as mm -hmm. well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We're going to go to Daniel, Daniel chapter 7. Yeah, let's see, let's see what verses, verses 21 and onward, and Siku, if you don't mind reading for us. Sure. I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them, until the Ancient of Days came, and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings, who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the first ones, and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. But the court shall be seated and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. 
His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me, and my countenance changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Mm. Awesome, awesome. So we've read Daniel chapter 7 uh, multiple times on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a great book of prophecy, great book that, that, that predicts the future. Um, Israel, let's set us up here. What are some things or principles about religious liberty that you remember from the quarter thus far? And then we can kind of jump into uh, how that leads into persecution right now. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think off the top of my head, what I remember from our discussion is the fact that liberty... Uh, it's not just relib- religious liberty, but liberty in general, mm. what freedom is. It's not something that is innate uh, in the human experience. Mm. We are naturally bound either uh, sometimes by others and worst of all, sometimes by ourselves, our own devices, our own habits, our sin. Mm. Uh, freedom, therefore, is found in Jesus Christ and in him only. Mm. And so a person... Uh, can have freedom even uh, in the midst of intense uh, and severe persecution. Mm. That's kind of what I remember. We talked about a lot of other things, but that's what I remember off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we um, we did kind of mention that uh, prophecy predicts a time uh, in the future. In the future, obviously, pro- prophecy. How do I want to say this? Where 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 these liberties that would that are free now will eventually be done away with. Yeah. And Daniel Simon kind of uh, points to uh, that. Uh, let's let's break down the the text here a bit. Um, what are some things that you see in Daniel seven that you want to bring out and, then, and that point us to um, persecution? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> maybe setting up Daniel seven. If if people are not so familiar with, yeah. it, it's important to understand that in Daniel, um, you have sometimes different visions and prophecies that Daniel gives that that repeat themselves and they give more and more information. So here we are actually at a repetition of Daniel chapter 2, where we are Mm -hmm. giving more information. In Daniel chapter 2, Daniel lays out basically the history of the world empires Mm -hmm. from his day till the end of time. Mm -hmm. And in Daniel 7, through different symbols, um, here it is like beasts and horns and all kinds of stuff, it is representing these world empires. Mm And we, we, we see the, the Babylonian Empire represented, the Medo-Persian Empire, the, the, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire. And then out of the Roman Empire, um, after the Roman Empire falls apart, there is this little horn power that mm. we see here, which um, is, a, is a fascinating study because it, it, it is different to the other empires. Mm. And so because we see here there's, there's some persecution going on, there's some uh, more religious activity than mm-hmm. with all the other uh, uh, empires before. And so mm-hmm. this is kind of where we're at historically. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a religious entity that comes uh, uh, to power as the Roman Empire falls apart. So uh, my understanding is that Rome had dissolved into what, 10, 10 subparts, mm-hmm. and then of the three of them emerged this new new power Correct. that uh, that we, we understand it to be uh, uh, imperial imperial Rome has transitioned to papal Rome, yes. and these are the, the the three tribes merged to become this this new religio political power. Right. Uh, what are other aspects that we see? I mean, we're, we're, this this passage really kind of goes goes micro yes. and points like gives give characteristics. Like zooms in. Zooms yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great word. Great word. Yeah. Uh, Siku and then and then is. I'd say the to to go with what John was saying about yep. the religious nature of this new power that's coming up with yep. out of those ten horns. Mm-hmm. Um, it says that what it says a word that it keeps using that keeps coming up is of the Most High, mm-hmm. against the Most High, mm-hmm. 
um, shall persecute the saints of the Most High. And the, the goal, the vision of this power is not domination on earth, mm. But it has a vision that is heavenward to taking over or or dominating, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the, the the kingdom of the Most High. Mm-hmm. Like so, um, so that that differentiates it from the other kingdoms that have come, which mm-hmm. are you know global kingdoms, and they're trying to, you know, um, get territory on Earth. But mm-hmm. this is got an up- great point. So we've gone from political, secular to now religious, mm-hmm. and the really cool. Well, it's not really maybe cool. It's not, but the insightful aspect mm-hmm. is that this isn't. We're, we're talking about a religious structure. We're not talking about people adherence to this structure. Uh, and so this, the current manifestation of it is is uh, found in the Roman Catholic structure. This is the the papacy. The, the, or the organization Papal. of the, the papacy, not individuals. Mm-hmm. And so there's the I think the, the the insight is that this comes within Christianity. Mm-hmm. There are many people that criticize religion, and then the Bible is predicting that the Bible itself will be corrupted, or the religion itself would be corrupted, or there will be an organization. So we're not looking at experiences. We're not looking at people's um, uh, uh, own own encounters with God, but there mm-hmm. is a there's a there's a there's a, there's a religious organization yeah. out there in its structure yeah. that that goes against. Biblical maybe principles. to add to that, uh, just historically, maybe not everyone understands or knows church history as mm-hmm. well, and um, not to, not to say that I'm an expert either, but I do know that you know when Jesus started the Christian movement, so to say, mm-hmm. there was only one Christian church. Yes. Okay, and what happened was that you had multiple. Uh, locations, multiple of the bigger cities that mm-hmm. became centers of Christianity, mm-hmm. but because Rome used to be the you know the the center of the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. um, the the Christians there they got involved over the you know in the first couple centuries with you know political uh, uh, situations and mm-hmm. and that's how the religious leaders also became politically involved and had political power mm-hmm. and so that's how the this is why it's called the Roman Catholic Church because it is based on the Roman Christians. Mm-hmm. But um, so this is not like oh we're just picking one denomination. There, there was only one denomination. There was only Christians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was the Roman Christians that later, unfortunately, built this system mm-hmm. that is uh, you know a political religious system which is described here and unfortunately, as as history tells us, became a persecuting power mm-hmm. towards other Christians, which is fascinating. I think you kind of alluded to it, the fact that the Bible doesn't point to like, oh, all the other bad people who's going to persecute us Christians. No, it's it's showing the corruption within Christianity, sure. mm-hmm. within the structures that are built um, that unfortunately, yeah. you know, turn on, on their brothers and And there sisters. are other entities that persecute too, of course. right? There are other religions that have persecuted, yes. other political structures. About, but the Bible is concerned with its internal, hey, there's going to be, Christianity itself is going to be messed up. Yeah. And that the Bible itself predicts it about itself. It's yeah. kind of this kind of internal thing for us to be mindful of. So Israel, we've been ignoring you for this yeah. on conversation so we want to bring you on bring you on here what 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 uh what was what struck me as we were having this conversation is the fact that we talked earlier in previous episodes of the the different philosophical approaches of religion versus the state Mm. Mm. god's intent has always been you know a universal perspective but even though it's universal even though he has a universal worldview he also focuses on the individual this Mm. is it's a that's it's very important to understand that Mm. that even though god has a universal reach and a universal perspective, the way in which he accomplishes, you know, I don't want to say universal domination, but universal impact mm-hmm. is is um, counterintuitively by impacting the individual. Mm-hmm. Now what has happened is that, um, well, and, and something else that I, that I want to mention is the fact that 
throughout something that is awesome about God is that throughout Scripture you see He not only talks, uh, He not only exposes the sins of His enemies or the enemies of God or the the pagans or whatever, mm-hmm. and not only the uh, the sins of the church, but He also does the sins of His people. Mm. Yeah. You know, throughout right. history, He always He rebukes uh, His children, like you know, you've left me, you've committed adultery with other gods, and so God. In many ways, he says more about his own people than than yeah. the, the 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 other side, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what what begins to arise here with papal Rome is the fact that it is using kind of this it is it is it is baptizing secularism and mm-hmm. bringing it into a form of religion. Mm-hmm. And so you have, uh, you know, uh, Paul says, you know, there's a group of people that they have a, a a form of godliness, but they deny the power of it. Mm-hmm. The power of Christianity is found in its ability to transform the heart without mm-hmm. forcing. And so you don't have this, uh, this is not found within a, uh, a a political context. And so now you have the baptizing of one into the other. And so one of the signs that, are, one of the elements of the church in verse 25 is that it begins to speak pompous words against mm-hmm. the Most High. And so mm-hmm. it begins to set itself up as a power that is, uh, that is greater than even the power of God itself. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, plenty of historical evidence of uh, the, the popes throughout history who have uh, claimed stuff in God's name mm-hmm. that are totally against Scripture, totally against the Ten Commandments. They have changed law in verse 25. They intend mm-hmm. to change times, change laws. They have made changes uh, through uh, Christian tradition. They use the capital T instead of a lowercase t. Again, this isn't uh, criticizing any of the experiences or any of the individuals. We're looking at history here. Yeah. And then in, in the history itself, in the verse 25, the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, time Times and half a time. Mm-hmm. What what is that? Time times and half and half a time. Yeah, that's a mm-hmm. that's a you know in prophecy uh, whenever there's like time uh, that's mentioned, not mm-hmm. not not the word time, but like times that you have. You know, times it talks about days and the, you mm-hmm. know mornings and evenings. Uh, <clears throat> it's symbolic representation of uh, of 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 actual time periods. Mm-hmm. And so here, times times and half a times uh, can also be translated as um, a, a year. A year and a half a year, which uh, two years. or two years, two, right? Time, three. Times, times. Uh, yeah, sorry, times, two, that's what times. I meant. Yeah, so it's three and a half prophetic yeah. years, which the Bible prophecy teaches us that one prophetic day represents an actual year, yep. which comes to two uh, one thousand two hundred sixty uh, years, yep. and that is exactly the time uh, frame uh, in which. Papal Rome had its its strongest power from mm-hmm. I think it's 538 to 1798 mm-hmm. uh, when um, when uh, Napoleon you know arrested uh, or his his general arrested the yeah. Pope and but that 1,200 time that that time, yeah. 60 years 60 years was some people call it the the Middle Ages the right. Dark, Dark Ages, Ages. the there's just a time where it was you know medieval uh, supremacy and they're just stomping right. out all the other different different. Uh, yeah, and essentially they were persecuting um, uh, Christians who were not bowing down to papal Rome, mm-hmm. who who wanted to follow what the Bible teaches and not what tradition teaches. Mm-hmm. And because Rome had um, political power, armies um, was was basically controlling many of the the royal households of Europe and so on. Uh, they they were able to to persist in their persecution and to be successful and to stomp out 
a lot of these faithful Christians, the Waldenses and, and, and others. Now, even when the Reformation, I mean, if from, from the 16th century onwards, you had multiple wars fought over, you know, Protestantism versus Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's, it's a, it was a bloody time. Yeah. Millions of people were killed yeah. uh, in, in the process. And, and so I guess the question is, why are we talking about this uh, on one level? I mean, the Bible talks about it, so that's why yeah. we're talking about it. Yeah. Uh, but on another level, like, you know, Jonathan, where you're originally from in Austria and in Europe, there is just, you know, a whole uh, dark cloud, if I can use that word, of post-modernity, post-modernism, uh, post-secularism, where it's like, hey, the church did all these bad things. Mm-hmm. Let's not go back to religion and this whole thing about an uh, or institution that purports to have absolute truth hey that's not the case the church caused all the suffering all the whatever anti-religion uh atheism that's kind of the general milieu we know there's great europeans such as yourself here uh, jonathan <laughs> there but there's also that are after world war one and two there's mm-hmm. got there's a lot of doubt there's a lot of hey i'm not really sure and then it's just the default setting yeah. that's not only now in europe but now has really spreading throughout the world uh especially with younger generations is that hey religion is just cut really bad right it's it, it it's it's evil and it and it it kind of it, it kills itself mm-hmm. right but in many ways like hey the Bible has already predicted a lot of these elements. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what's the solution? Is the Bible say, hey, this is what's going to happen, so be depressed, guys? Like, is that the conclusion of the matter? Like, what's our takeaway from from this, if we can get more on the existential level? I think what the Bible does is that it, it, it the what the Bible does is it pulls back the curtain on reality, mm-hmm. you know? So it gives us a means by which we can properly understand and interpret history mm-hmm. and interpret the future. Mm-hmm. And so when you study the book of Daniel, um, and as, especially this prophecy, the central theme of it is not the persecution of the church, mm-hmm. but the deliverance that God brings forth. Mm-hmm. And so in the midst, and, and this is, I think, critical for our young people to understand, is that in the midst of this horrible tragedy, God has a plan, and it goes back down to the the subject that we studied on the wheat and the tares. You know, God has a plan for what has happened for the misuse of religion, yes. and He's got a plan uh, to solve this problem. And the solution to the problem is gonna it's greater than the problem itself, mm. right? So you have now the de- the a deliverer emerges through this prophecy. It's a prophecy that focuses on Jesus Christ, who ultimately mm-hmm. is the savior of the entire world, not just of a people or of a nation. Mm. And so I think one thing that is critical for us to understand is that the Bible centers history, events, calamities, persecutions, challenges. It centers these things on Jesus, not in like a, a pie in the sky kind of thing, but in a very, very real way. Mm. It's reality, yeah. not just a thought or a dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's, it, it is powerful that in predicting what was going to happen to the saints mm. of the Most High. Mm-hmm. Um, and it talks about the intentions, you know, of this of this power that comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, but in verse 26, mm-hmm. it just says, you know, the court shall be seated, they shall take away his dominion mm. yes. to consume, destroy forever the kingdom. It's it's It pivots very quickly to, yes, this is going to happen and acknowledging that it's going to happen, which is good for Christians to realize that you're going to, like even Jesus, when he left, he was like, you're going to be persecuted. Mm. Um, but the, the the hope in it is that it's only for a time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and the, 
it's it's powerful too. In, at the end of verse 25, that time times and half mm-hmm. a time, he even says for not just for a period. Here is the period of time. Mm. It reminds me even when the Israelites were taken into captivity. You're gonna go into captivity for 70 years. Mm. You know, he gives like it's it will be tough, but. It's that's for a finite period. Mm-hmm. Hey, so it's, like, it's not going to be punished, and you're going to be punished indefinitely. And let's see what happens. Stay in the room, and until Dad comes back, right? It's, you're going to be in there for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a set time period, and then there's kind of you know what's when it's going to start, and when it's going. And it gives you a sense of being able to endure mm-hmm. when you when you know that there's an end in sight. And mm-hmm. even if you you're like, okay, the, the end may not come in my lifetime, but I know it's going to end. I was going to so, say enduring for 1,200 yeah. years yeah, is but, a long, but long knowing time. that it's going to end like does something for the way that you raise your children you know i'm raising you in this situation but like i'm raising you for freedom you know like it changes the way that you live when you know that there there's an end to the pain and part of the despair um feeling hopeless feeling dejected a lot of times is not being able to see the end at the end of the tunnel um but God has made it so that we can know that there is an end. And, and the amazing thing is when you look at, at the testimonies of people who go through persecution, those who are genuine in their faith, they usually don't complain about it. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, yeah, there may be moments, right? But they are often having even a stronger faith in that experience. And they, 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 they would not, they, they, they almost don't want to, they almost, they almost would claim like they, they wouldn't have wanted to miss it because there, there was a blessing in it. I mean, even like the book of Acts, the book of Paul, they're imprisoned. They're singing, like they're glorifying God. And, and in their persecution, God was being glorified. Christianity, you know, the, the true believers were able to share their, you know, faith, so yeah. to say, by, by, by the blood of, that they spilled, that was spilled. And so uh, there is, even though it's tough, there seems to be an element of when you are being persecuted, it actually increases your faith. It builds your faith and it glorifies God, maybe even to a larger extent at times than when you're not being persecuted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's easy for us to say, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you. I have never been persecuted for my faith. I think mm-hmm. the, the, the extent of it is when people just like, you know, what what are you? You know, what do, what do you believe in? And that's kind of, that's not really persecution. But uh, Jonathan, you're totally right. We should have those of us who are, have never been persecuted. We should have a certain sensitivity yes. to those in, in the history who have been and who currently are. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just finished reading a book called The Insanity of God mm-hmm. and The Powerful. Insanity of Obedience by by Nick Ripkin, and he goes around and study has studied and has gone into all these areas of parts of the world where there is current persecution going on. Mm. And there's just a lot of insights that he comes up with. Well, one thing that he just just to corroborate what you're saying mm-hmm. is that not one of these individuals who are in jail or have you know their dad and their mom and their kids have died for for the Lord and, and they're, they're the only one. Not one of them has in his interviews has said you know pray for us so that this persecution may stop. Mm-hmm. They said, pray for us that we may continue our faithfulness mm-hmm. through this. Mm-hmm. And we know that God is still in charge. God is still on the throne. Yes. But help us that we may be faithful through this. Not one of them has has prayed for the end of persecution. Right. Mm-hmm. But very interestingly, those in the Western world, I should say the free world or the, the non-persecuted world, we're all praying for the end of persecution. And we're saying, oh, they must not they must not like that. They must not be able to handle that. And, and in many ways, this is not to downplay their experience at all, but we who have not experienced it, we think that's the one thing that they're praying for, mm-hmm. but they're wanting to be faithful. Yeah. And this is a rare, It's a, at the end, what I'm saying is a rebuke to yeah. To us, yeah. that in the freedoms that we have, in the religious freedom that we have, that we should seek to be faithful, not just avoiding suffering and avoiding mm-hmm. persecution. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's it's impossible for us to talk about something that we ourselves yeah, no, cannot, sure. ha, you know, intelligently something we have not experienced. Yeah, uh, something it reminds me of Revelation chapter two. Um, Revelation and two. If there's any if there's anyone that that is uh, adequately equipped to speak to persecution, it's mm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm. And uh, in verse eight, uh, mm-hmm. Revelation chapter two, verse eight and onward. He's speaking uh, to the persecuted church, and these are, I think, beautiful and insightful um, elements that Jesus brings about. It says, uh, and to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, these things says, the first and the last, he who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich, and I know the blasphemy of those that say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Mm -hmm. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Mm -hmm. I think we find beautiful, just a a beautiful communication that Christ gives to a church that is persecuted. Mm -hmm. First of all, he identifies with the church. He's the one that has been dead and is alive. Um, Christ himself understands what death is like. And so he he says, whatever you're going through, it's something that I understand experientially. Mm -hmm. Others, they might understand what you're going through or, or, or say they wish they understood what they're going through or pray that what you're going through will end. But I personally have, as the king of the universe and as the God of heaven and earth, I understand what death is. Mm. And so he says, I am he that was dead and is and has come to yeah. life. He says in verse nine, he understands. It's not like God is blinded to the persecution that takes place in this world. Right. He says, um, you know, I know your works and your tribulation and I know your poverty. It's a poor church. But then he he redefines reality. He says, but you are actually rich, mm-hmm. you know? And so what God does is that he brings about an interpretation, a new interpretation into the experience of these people. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, persecution or tribulation, it may, it, may, it may make us poor in the sense of, our, our humanity is stripped away or our earthly material goods are stripped away. But he says, even though you are poor, you're actually rich. Right. And then going back to what Sika was saying, um, fear, fear, don't fear those things which are about to happen. And, and then he gives now context to why it is that persecution takes place. It is because Satan, an enemy, has done this. Mm-hmm. Satan will test you. But then he says for 10 days, right back to the time that God will put an end. He guarantees an end to the experience of persecution that we will go through or that people are going through. And he says, the only thing that you have to worry about is being faithful in this time. And he will give us a crown of life. And so I feel like the words of Christ bring comfort to the persecuted and it brings to those who are not persecuted strength for the journey yeah. ahead. Let me ask you this question as, as time closes here. Uh, how do we, that would never been persecuted, how do we maximize the time that we have now in our religious freedom? We're talking about religious liberty. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we interact with those who are persecuted right now? I think persecution uh, helps you cut away distractions and you focus on what matters and you have to make a decision and are you really sure you know, about mm-hmm. what you believe in? And so for me, I guess, um, if I want to do that in my own life here, it is to try to cut away distraction and be sure in what I believe in mm-hmm. to be ins- like that's an inspiration to me from the people who are persecuted mm-hmm. um, and, yeah. and and like with what you said our prayers maybe um, God has already said the persecution will end yeah. mm-hmm. um, 
praying for their faithfulness Mm -hmm. for our own but like really praying for faithfulness rather than praying for an end to something God has already said it's going to end at some Mm -hmm. point you know Mm -hmm. we're praying for faithfulness yeah we pray for their faithfulness and we pray for our faithfulness as well as 1 Corinthians says as if one member suffers then we all suffer and so we're all in this together and we need to enjoy the religious liberties that we are we have been afforded today this is Inverse we'll see you next week here on Inverse You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by The Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, This is Inverse.